Radio. This is Catholics Read on cradio.org.au. Hello and welcome to this episode of Catholics Read. I'm Luke. And I'm Kiara. And I'm Victoria. And today we are reading not not something by what was the Love Among the Ruins. Unfortunately, we could not obtain a free copy of uh, Love Among the Ruins by because we are poor uni students. So because it's still within copyright, and you can mm. only get it if you're willing to pay fifteen dollars. It's like overseas and stuff, and it would take too long to get here. Etc. Etc. Um, so we um, are now doing yeah. instead. We are getting our straight is- free all around Australia and everywhere else <laughs> in the world. The Man Tom from Wick. Snowy River. The Man from Snowy River. And That's... it's a poem by Banjo Patterson. Mm-hmm. Whose real name I actually never knew. Is, so... Isn't it Andrew? No, Andrew it's here somewhere. Something. Andrew Barton Patterson. What oh. a name. And- That's, That's an right, Australian it was Andrew. name. Right Andrew there. Barton Patterson, which got shortened to Banjo. Hmm. I don't know. Australians are nicknames. Barton and Banjo. You can see where that, I don't know. Andrew and Banjo. They kind of rhyme, I suppose. Anyway, Australians. Andrew, Banjo. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure it happened in a pub. Let's just put it that way. Yes. Someone mispronounced (laughs) his name and that stuck. Well, I mean, a lot of of old Australian nicknames are a bit like that, where they're just like. They make no sense. They make no sense. No sense whatsoever. Like how they got from there to there. I don't know, but that's just the way they rolled back then hmm. so if you have never heard this poem you sure i'm sure you if you're an australian you've probably heard of it um there's also a movie too there is there, there is we also go. A movie. i don't know how you turn this into a movie well there's a whole lot of other story but the actual there's a whole lot of other other story to it but the actual action that the poem depicts doesn't really take place till the end of the movie and oh, it's exactly. very exciting really <laughs> but the rest of the world may have actually had exposure to the man from snowy river in the 2000 australian olympics opening uh, ceremony. Webster riding on a horse. No, wait, no yeah. she wasn't on a horse. That was the same thing that had, you know. But uh, it was the same actor from the movie and he- the same horse from the movie who oh. went in and did the big rear and the whip crack and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and- so if you can remember from the national, uh, the, the Australian ceremony, there were a whole bunch of horses and they were actual local farmers. And um, so all that horse stuff, that was in memory of Wayne Kudos or what, to the man from Snowy River. So you should look that up. It was very nostalgic and, you know, memories of a bush past that, you know, we'd love to bang on about even though most people didn't actually live it even at the time because most people live in cities in Australia and that's just the reality. But anyway, we this is our myth-making. But if you are, if you are Australian and you don't really know this poem, you only know the name, I can assure Shame you... Shame on you. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. You, I can assure you that these lines would probably resonate in your bones or something. Yeah. Which is the opening lines, which are... There was movement at the station, for the word had passed around, that the cult from old regret had got away. Those first two lines are Everyone like... Everyone knows oh, them. At least the first line, anyway. The first line is like Australian folklore, in a sense. And that was actually the first thing I wanted to talk about, is um, with this poem. Oh, we should probably talk about what it's about. Oh, yeah. So, in a <laughs> oh. nutshell, it's about <laughs> this... It's about this young horse who was uh, whose sire was a very famous race co- race horse and the colt escaped and became a wild and you know escaped into the bush and became a wild horse and so everyone of course you know the, the owner of the horse wants to 
get it um, back. Get it back because it's a very valuable horse. So he calls in all the all, as many riders as he possibly can to do a big roundup of the Brumbies in the area. And one of them is the man from the Snowy River. And he's on this, he's the underdog, he's on this little horse that's half pony or something like that. And, um, you know, he's, you know, he's young and weedy just like his horse. And he ends up saving the day by doing a daring dash down a very steep hill after the Brumbies and bringing them back home. Yeah. And he's the hero. That's but, a very good summary. Mm, but there are also these little um, shout outs to other famous people. So I'm not sure whether you guys... Oh, well, no, well, for instance, it, it mentions it's... Clancy of the Overflow, who yeah. is a famous character from another very Australian mm. poem. And also written meant... by Banjo Patterson, also but ri- apparently based off an actual person. Yes, well, actually, we'll talk about this later, but the man from Snowy River is probably a real person as well. But we'll get to yes. that another time. Oh, later on in the show. But there's also Harrison. Oh, what's to say about Harrison? There oh, was man, Harrison who made his pile snow. when Pardon won the cup. So that's an, that's another character from another poem. So Banjo's really... There's a lot of... It's like uh, the Avengers. Pretty it's much. like the Avengers, but it's like any... <laughs> Banjo Patterson poetry. <laughs> so an Australian reading this who was moderately well-versed in any of this stuff would get really excited because they're inside jokes. Yes. For instance, an American picking this up would... Go, who the hell's Clancy who's and why Clancy? is it why? Who's Harrison? Where, where is Snowy River? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. What is a car job? <laughs> yeah. What is that? Co- Coast Gascos. <laughs> or, you know, what, what's the cup? What cup are they referring to? It's, oh, they're referring to the Melbourne Cup, by the way. The, the cup. Yeah. The cup. Yes, the, the cup. The this Melbourne is actually cup. a really convenient segue into what I was going to go into before. Go. Segway away. Which was, um, there's this joke that goes around in Australia. And it, and it goes like this. What's the difference between yogurt and Australia? What? I don't, I don't know. What's the difference between yogurt and Australia? I've got no idea. You don't know? I don't yogurt know. has culture. Oh. <laughs> You've never heard that? No. <laughs> That's awful. It Who made awful. that joke and up? And it's wrong. Yes. And it's wrong. Exactly. Who made and that joke this, up? What a joke. This poem is proof of that. I think it's where it comes from this mentality that basically... I don't think it's so much that Australia doesn't have culture, but that Australia doesn't have high culture. Like, that we don't have the kind of um, okay, so we don't... cultural his- history well... that a lot of other countries have simply because we don't have as long history. But even that today, within Australia, our, our culture is kind of a hodgepodge of... All the migrants that have come through. Exactly. And you know what? I think that speaks very highly of our, of our culture, the but fact that I we have... To, what I wanted to point in. out specifically about this poem is that... Within this poem, you see, as you said, like the shout outs to other things and references. And even in its style, like the way it says, like the horse bolted and things like that. I think it has a it has an Australian feel. I don't just mean like kind of culture is in cultural references. I mean, is in like what we were talking about on The Hobbit um, a couple of weeks ago with how in The Hobbit, each of the races have their own certain feel. They kind of have you can't really articulate it, but they have a certain once you're reading it you are you know you're thrown into the culture through the language and the style the cadence and the mate like the meter and when you read this it's very australian when you read this you almost feel like you're riding on a horse as well because the meter helps you Mm. so and not just that you're not just riding a horse you're riding very very fast over very rough terrain and you're about to fall off and die so (laughs) it's i I think this captures that really really well um the man from sober and i guess that's why it's a classic because benjo patterson was able to capture 
that certain Australianness. Like I could feel myself when I was like I've never really been around the snowy mountains and that. When when, I, when it was when I was a little kid that um, uh, around the snowy mountains and snowy river and like all those areas down down in southern New South Wales. But the story managed to capture, like, you know, you Everything. had this, this imagine of, like, I imagine that it took place on, like, this crisp morning, kind of, like, them going out. And, like, that's... I, it could, I could be way off. There could be evidence in the poem that it was a hot afternoon in the desert or something. But... Um, <laughs> no, they're, um, no, they think was... they think that the poem took place around the table... in the tablelands around the ACT. Yeah. Oh, where no, the where's capital, Australian Capital it, Territory yeah, is the, now. Where Canberra that's, is now. That's what I imagine. That's yes, what I imagine. The, that kind the of terrain. Foothills. The, yes. The, the pinpointed position is the Burrinjuk Dam, northwest of Canberra, in the ACT, the Australian Capital Territory. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's I've pretty been, close I've to been what in that I, country. It's rough. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's he captures that really well. And the thing that I imagined was that, like, if you try and compare this to, say, um, another country trying to tell this story, and the only country I could think of that would have a similar kind of story of like trying to round up horses would be the United States. Like the South, yeah, the Deep South. Um, would have They have similar things, in, but it's still English, very different. Um, you wouldn't necessarily have something <clears> like this in, say, England or perhaps Canada. I'm not sure. Maybe some Canadians could correct me on this. But, like, this kind of story about having to round up brumbies, wild horses, I imagine would only really have a similar feel, uh, similar plot in the United States. Yet it's completely, it's definitely not American. Yeah. Like, it's not the content, it's not the plot that's Australian, it's the feel to it that's Australian. And that's what that's what I love about it, because I think if you were to show someone, like, what is unique about Australia, <clears throat> this would be a fantastic example of what you could give the give to someone to explain. Um, like, listen, listen to this paragraph, and you can just feel the Australianness coming out. So what they've done is they've said the cult has gotten away, uh, they've listed Harrison and Clancy, and now they've kind of described the weedy character and his weedy horse. And someone's told him, look, uh, jog on, young lad. You are, you just... You're not going to be able to keep up. You just won't be able to keep up. And it says like, uh, and it goes on like this. But still so slight and weedy, one would doubt his power to stay. And the old man said, that horse will never do for a long, tiring gallop, lad. You'd better stop away. Those hills are far too rough for such as you. So he waited, sad and wistful. Only Clancy stood his friend. I think we ought to let him come, he said. I warrant he'll be with us when he's wanted at the end. For both his horse and he are mountain bred. Ha! Yeah. Foreshadowing, because he is wanted at the end, because he's the only one that can actually... Get down the hill. Go down a mountain that's basically and full vertical. Of wombat, and full of wombat holes. And for people who don't know what a wombat... What a wombat... <laughs> ho- what wombats are... Rabbit holes. <laughs> they're, they're a lot bigger than rabbit holes, and... They're very, very, very dangerous for any kind of hooved animals with delicate legs, especially horses. Um, wombats are basically very large. Mus- they're marsupials. They're very. Li- they're like a koala, but they live on the ground and they dig and these fat. massive burrows and their burrows and they're fat. And they they run be- really fast. If everyone sees, they are actually fun, they're terrifying. Look up on YouTube wombat running or something like. that. I don't that. know. We've clocked it's them. Like we've clocked them. We've clocked them down on our property because we're like driving up the road on the hill, and the wombat thought it was a good idea to run away from us on the road, and we were doing forty k's an hour, and this wombat was ahead of That's us. Very fast. <laughs> yeah. This but is... the funny thing is, when you're they... watching them, they am- they amble at about a centimeter an hour. It's Grazing. Very deceptive. Grazing. <laughs> um. Yeah. So they're very. They're large. They're sort of. They're a bit like badgers. I think. Yeah. Imagine a. Super fat badger <laughs> with no tail that's brown. 
and and, and less quite vicious. harmless and adorable. It's almost like it's almost like a cross between a, a koala badger, and a ba- a koala and a badger. A koala, a badger, and a boulder. Yes, <laughs> that would perfectly describe it. Because if you happen to hit one accidentally with your car, it will total your car. Not They're the not very big. <laughs> But they'll total. Yeah. <laughs> um, because Straya. Because Straya. Because even the things you don't think will kill you <laughs> will kill you. <laughs> or will try their very hardest. Oh, the cute little thing. Anyway. Um, yeah, even the cute fluffy things are quite dangerous in the right circumstances. Because Straya. But yeah, was there anything else that Victoria or Kiara you wanted to point out about this poem? Um, um, go I for it. think from you know from a historical point of view, like this is written in the eighteen nineties, and this is sort of the or, or late eighteen eighties. Yeah, late eighteen eighties, eighteen end of the nineteenth century, and this is sort of the Australia wasn't a country at this point. No, we no, weren't. We weren't a country. In, we were colonies. Was, yeah, colonies. We were not we even under federation yet, which every Australian student who has should hopefully know, <laughs> know unless you fell asleep. In that case, I totally understand. Just so you know. <laughs> Um, but before that, yeah, we were the just colonies. July 1776. No, 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 no. <laughs> um, so you know, this is um, so you know, we're not colonies. Sorry, we're all a bunch of colonies. Canberra didn't actually, the ACT didn't actually exist at the time because Australia didn't have a capital city because hmm. we were colonies. And um, there was a real, this is like in literature and in art, there was a real sort of revive. There was a real sort of nostalgia for the frontier. At this point in time, because it was it was a time of you know rapid industrialization. Trains were going out everywhere. It seemed like the um, a lot of people were moving to the cities for manufacturing jobs. That seemed like the age of the muster and the drover were were over. And you know, yet yet at the same time, we were still the country that was building its economy off the sheep's back as well. So there I was, was going to say, was this around that period? Yeah. So there was actually it was actually a dual. Like you, you heard about the two speed. You hear about a two speed economy. Well, it was going on at the same time as well. So, cat, you know, sheep were the big, mm. you know, were the big were the Australia big thing was as one well. One of the best performing economies in the world at that point, I believe. I mean, what what became Australia? What, what, yeah. So yeah. whichever st- what state what's the the colonies were producing at the time? Yes. We were doing very well economically and our manufacturing was taking off. You know, everything was pretty rosy, but there was still this real nostalgia for, you know, life was getting pretty good for most people. The middle class was growing and everyone was doing really, you know, everyone was doing well. And there was this nostalgia for those tougher times and those tougher people and those great stories. And that built the nation. Poem. And this, this poem um, is essentially that. Banjo wrote another poem called Song of the Future in 1889. And it was basically about this nostalgia. And this is just a little short quote, but it said, The freedom and the hopeful sense of toil that brought due recompense of room for all has passed away and lies forgotten with the dead. Within our streets, men cry for bread in cities built but yesterday. So he was trying to capture the fact that all Australians knew that the the country was built off people working the land. And uh, well, we, we're all quite proud of the fact, uh, of the fact that... Um, when people came as convicts, they were actually given a bit of a shot. If you worked quite hard... Or well, once you, you did your time, once seven you did your years, time, you could go home or you could stay and be given land. You could be given land and then you could rebuild your family's name, make an honest living, and that was that. And then all these things... If you survived seven years. <laughs> yeah, if the, the snakes didn't come for you. <laughs> or, you know... Sharks. Or, you know, the forced, <laughs> forced labour and... You know, starvation and that the sort of thing. Dangerous. Yes, yeah. Don't don't be fooled. I do say that this sounds like a bit of a fairy tale, but it was rough. 
Yes. Yeah. Abs- yes. <sighs> yeah. And I mean, this was, I guess, during the 1800s. Was and there was, I think where... there was still transportation going on as well at the yeah, time. There was still, co- there was still convicts being sent. Until... Sort of. Basically, Federation. Yeah, yeah, about this time. A very long time, and that wasn't the worst of it, because then when there were places like the Parramatta Girls Factory and stuff like that, where women were sent and where men were... Oh, it was just terrible. Yeah. We do have a pretty pretty bad history sometimes, yeah. but even so... We're built on the back of criminals. It's going to happen. Yeah, it's bound to happen. Well, I mean, and not just it's not just that, but, like, the, the treatment, as I, was, as I was about to say, with, um, like, you have a period of time where you have a kind of revolution in the treatment of of, pris- of criminals, but it wasn't necessarily a good revolution in that, like, for, for a very long time, um, there was the idea that the way that you reformed someone was through hard work. Really hard because work. that was their actual problem. It wasn't the fact that they were in abject systemic poverty that they couldn't do much about, but it's because they were lazy and they, you know, were, didn't know how yeah, to work and they weren't virtuous. Like, if you, if you had good, honest, hard work, you would be reformed in that way. And I guess to a certain, like, that's a fairly common mentality throughout the world. It's not exclusive mm. to, to the British. And Empire. in part, it's true. And in part, it's true. Yeah. In the part. Other, it's... And the in part it's true is about to continue with the with the revolution where you had then this um, movement uh, for the almost total opposite was that the way that you reformed someone was through sensory deprivation and so that's when you saw things like um, what's that infamous prison in England it's like a big circle oh I know the one you're talking about I can't remember its uh, I name can't think of what it's called anyway they had I I went to um uh. What's it called? I was going to say Pearl Harbor. It's definitely not that. Um, down in Tasmania. Oh, Port, Port, Arthur. Port, Arthur. Port Arthur. Port Arthur. That's why it was because it rhymes. Um, I went down to Port Arthur and there they have a kind of miniature version of that. And in there they had like these sensory deprivation cells where people like the really bad people would go for 23 hours a day. So it's um, solitary confinement, essentially. Solitary confinement. And when I say sensory deprivation, I'm serious. Like you It's go, just you a cell. You can go in there. And it's pitch black. And the, pri- the, the prison guards would walk around with, um, with slippers so that they couldn't hear, like not even the sound of, of noise outside, and that was complete sensory deprivation. The prisoners often went mad. Um, uh, understandably. Yeah. And so you don't have... Australia doesn't have a very nice history because for a lot of... A lot of our history, the backs of the convicts that it was built off, they went through a lot. And then after that were the Frontier Wars, which we actually don't learn a lot about, to be honest. It was only in university that I learnt about it, and I learnt about another terrible chapter of our history. Well, yeah, because it's hugely controversial historically, and how we interpret and understand the history is hugely controversial, so... Yeah, we've got, we won't go into that. But the, the fact is that Australians, this episode. Australians aren't afraid of actually looking back at our history. And we do actually take pride in the bush origins of, of Australia. And we look back at that for our, our mythical, um, our myths, basically, and our, our heroic figures. Greece has Achilles. We have the man from Snowy River. It's very similar. And it's great. You know yeah. why it's great? Because Australians have this very bad habit, I think, of making folk heroes out of criminals. 
Don't get me started on that. Um, <laughs> but I think any Australian here will probably know what I'm talking about, but we just have a very bad habit of doing that. And I think it's a terrible thing. Well, but uh, but if you think about it, a lot of mythology has anti-heroes as well. And it's and honest and I mean I know I know you're subtly referring to Ned Kelly here. <laughs> Are you subtly referring? Not so refer- subtle. Not, not so, so subtle. subtle. And seriously, you've got to be careful wherever you mention if you mention Ned Kelly's name in certain towns in Victoria because you could get bashed um, if you hold one view or another. Mm. Um, well, actually, on the weekend I was in Beechworth and I got to see one of his oh. one of his pieces of armor, and I stood in the courtroom where he was. Not finally tried, but where he was definitely tried for something. Yes. Um, so I know I understand you're referring to Ned Kelly here. Yeah. And he's, I mean, understanding the history around him, he's a very interesting character. And he's not typical of the glorification of criminals. Um, we don't glorify criminals like Mad Moran, like the Bush Rangers, like Mad Moran, who was a psych- sociopath. Yeah. He was crazy, crazy. Um, but the bushrangers who, for in some instances, were a little bit am- ambiguous in terms of their loyalties, Australia has a bit of a habit of thinking of them as rascals. And yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, I guess I just... And also Ned Kelly's Irish, and there's all sorts of stuff about Irish rebellion against British overlords, and there's all sorts of other stuff tangled up in there that can, you know, um, cloud our understanding or our perception of Ned Kelly. And trying to undo all that and get to okay, what's actually going on is really tough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess what what I'm trying to say is that nonetheless, we do have a habit as Australians of making heroes out of people who aren't necessarily... I think... Are ambiguous. Especially, I think, in recent times, you have two kind of paths along this. You have on one end, you've got sort of a, a lower class and a much more, to me, understandable mentality of this, like like a kind of Robin Hood figure, I think he, mm. he can present characters like him can become. Yeah. And then on the other hand, among kind of, I guess, more upper classes, you have this view of like, well, this kind of postmodern, oh, well, what's good and what's bad anyway? And like all that kind of, that kind of mentality. Those things coming together. Are not good. I think in, in recent times has meant that someone like Ned Kelly tends to get a very glossy, a glossy treatment. When in reality um, there were good points and there were bad points. Because really he's human. He killed people. There's no two ways about. There's no two ways about it. He killed people, and he also helped people. So yeah, there you go. Um, life's messy. Actually, just to co- sort as of a, change as a, this as a, a Catholic, bit. As a Catholic point, though, the killing people kind of does. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> let's not. This is, there's no yin yang thing happening. No, 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 no. Absolutely horrible. Does not. Is not. Uh, Permissible. I guess permissible if you help people in the process. Yeah. Anyway, we're not consequentialists. Um, go on. No, no. <laughs> it actually just reminded me because you're talking about you know killing people. I'm like, man, you've got to go to confession if you kill someone. Obviously, that's that's what how we should end that. But actually, talking about confession, I have a story that I only learned about two weeks ago. I met someone while I was down in South New South Wales, semi in Victoria, who said he knew an old priest who was the man from Snowy River's confessor. I'm just going to put it out there. That sounds like that's so the is, best so urban a, legend. That is the I've best urban had. legend I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, urban bush legend. Yeah, and so basically, <laughs> <laughs> you don't quite realize how silly those words are until you point that out. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> but anyway, and I did a little bit of research, and I and basically the man from Snowy River comes down to three people, and depending on who you go in, uh, who whose work you follow. It depends on who you think it is, but it's either going to be Jack Riley from Curryong or um, 
Oh, where's the other one? Uh, Charlie McKinney, who uh, most people think it is. Or one other who... Also very Irish. Uh, Owen Cummings, who was born in Dargo. And um, Banjo Patterson himself said it was actually more of an amalgamation of a lot of the stories he picked up because he travelled all over. He went to uh, many states and picked up yarns um, so that he could use them for his um, poetry. Like, for instance, he got the term bogan shower from being up in Queensland in, I think, Bougainville, um, which is used to describe three drops of water and dust because of the droughts. Yes. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so it just depends on what research you do, whose uh, theories you follow. But The Man from Snow River was most definitely based on someone. And, um, yeah, there are lots of myths surrounding him. People say they know this person's grandparent, knowing his confessor. Yeah, his confessor. Does that mean mm. he was Catholic? Or If he's Irish, he was probably Catholic. Oh, he was Irish. Okay. We don't know if the okay. man from Surrey cool. was Catholic, like, but a lot of Ryan, those, those names what, what are sound very I, I, I'm so We've excited Jack- about the idea that, like, <laughs> we were just talking about how um, how the man from Snowy River is a national icon. He's definitely he's on the ten dollar oh, bill. Catholic. Actually, fun yes, fun fun fact. He's actually on the ten dollar bill. Yes, yeah. yeah. and the poem itself, the text of the poem, is written in this minuscule writing. You need a magnifying glass to read. It's part of the security check on the bill. <laughs> it's part of the security <laughs> check on the bills. <laughs> What's this poem? You know, and is, and is, is this poem incorrect grammar? <laughs> That's that's just so funny. Yeah, I, but yeah, well, it, I guess we'll never actually. Maybe we will know one day. That would be an amazing. Well, actually, thing. no. The man from Snowy River is not on the. I forgot. No, Banjo, Banjo Patterson, Patterson. His head is but on. There's the, like a, isn't there like? And then there's a then there's a stockman like herding some horses with a you know very dramatic whip crack over going over his head. So yeah. yes, mm. there's the, the man from Snowy River is in there, but the big fat head on it is of course Banjo Patterson yeah, in Banjo profile, profile, and then the poem in minuscule print. Yeah, behind it. Great. That's so great. That's what Australia, money is for. Right there. That's yeah. what money is for. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear they're, they're actually introducing tactile banknotes? Yeah, um, for, for blind, blind people. people. You know what would be amazing? Oh. If they did it in Braille. That would be so great. It would be impossible because the banknote would have to be like the size of a room. But like, <laughs> that would be so cool if one of the security things was like one of the lines from the man from Snowy River in Braille. Yeah. How great would that be? <laughs> Miniscule <Anyway>. Braille. <laughs> I don't think you can have minuscule braille. That no, really that would kind of work. D- completely but, the purpose of it. Anyway, but anyway, I think we should we should begin to wrap up. Mm. Um, Last point. So it's great. Give it a read. It's really not that long. It'll take you like five ten minutes to read at most. And better yet, um, if you want a great party trick, it's not that hard to memorize because it's a really lyrical, fast moving story, yeah. and it looks really to, impressive. To sum it up, it's got um, where is it? There you go. It has like 13, look, stanzas. 13 stanzas, eight lines each. It's a bush ballad. It's A, B, A, B, C, D, C, D. That's as easy as you can get for remembering a poem. It's so easy And it's to fantastic well. if you've ever seen someone really get into it, get up in front of a crowd. Tell a story. Tell a story with, you know, uh, gestures. And, and, and Have you seen someone do it? Briefly, I yes. Have. And It's um, really good. Especially yeah. when they've got... The Australian accent. Yes. It's Actually, movement all around. Oh, who was like, it? You know. Because I went to see the arena, because they did an arena spectacular on Love here with like, a, with, a, with like 50 horses in an arena and it was phenomenal. Like they mm. just, they did, they did this, the way they trained those horses was just amazing. But they had, who was Clancy? Oh, it was this really famous Australian actor who was Clancy, and he has this beautiful, rich, oh, um, deep voice. I'm trying to think of like classic Australian actors. Yeah, he was one of those classic uh, 
his last name starts with B. Oh, I can't remember his name. Google. Where's Google? And Google says it is Steve Bisley. And he has this amazing, beautiful, rich, deep voice with the little with an Australian twang. And it's, oh, he's just amazing. He narrated the poem whilst there was all this crazy action going on with like 10 horses running around and someone cracking stock whips. It was amazing. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Anyway, I felt so Australian. <laughs> we should we should probably should probably wrap this up. Um, and so, what what do we want to do next time? Well, we're doing Lord of the. Are we going to finish that in time, though? Have you started it? Yeah. Oh, you've started it. Have you started it? I have other things to read. Yeah, fair enough. Sorry, I'm doing a lit degree. I've got about seven books to read. Yeah, yeah. no. I think we should. I think we should just put that shorter. on the back burner. I think we should put it on the back burner for now. How about we'll just discuss it? We'll have a mystery short thing for you next mystery time. Mystery text. Mystery text. It's sort of like Lucky a blind did. date book with the books yeah. that you see at bookshops now. There you go. You that's haven't seen that. those? They, ha- they have like a, a shelf with these um, paper, like they're in paper wrap and it says a book about adventure and, and fishermen and, and possums. Yeah. Like, and then <laughs> that's all you've got and you buy it. Cool. <laughs> I've seen cool. libraries do that, so it's like mystery, you know, mystery date, a blind date with a book, yeah. and it's like got, you know, it's got like a general genre like mystery or romance or whatever, and it's in brown paper bags. You just borrow the book. All right, well, blind date with a book is our next book. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That was an episode of Catholics Read from Cradio.org.au.